Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs. With me, Tove Handel. And me, Linnea Bivall. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. Every episode, we will speak to thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practice within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. everyone and welcome to another episode of How We Hire with me, Tobe. And me, Linnea. So nice to today have Fabian here with us from Vimo. Fabian, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at Vimo currently? Sure. Super, super fun to be here. Yeah, My name is Fabian Olin. I'm 32, married since uh, 10 years with Sofia, who is actually also working with recruitment. Uh, we have uh, three kids. 11, 8, and 2. So we started over again. <laughs> um, I'm currently working as HR manager for a company called Vimo, or Vimo Sweden specifically, where I'm also part of the leadership team. And um, Vimo is an international tech company within e-commerce. So basically, we have a lot of developers and other specialists that are making miracles for our clients that want to sell stuff online. So pretty much all the most difficult roles to hire. Yeah, basically so. <laughs> and we are about 600 experts worldwide. Within my country unit, we are 93 as of today. Mm. So and I mean, the obvious question here is yeah. how much recruitment is discussed over the dinner table? Over the dinner table and the lunch table and the breakfast as well. We are... <laughs> recruitment is, of course, one of the main topics to discuss mm. every day. <laughs> yeah. How much have you like picked up tricks from your wife and vice versa? Yeah, we actually, we it's quite good to um, sometimes to say that you shouldn't be working in the same industry, but we have a lot of exchange uh, with, mm. with each other. So, so she's working more with staffing and also more mm. towards public, the public sector. Mm. And I've never worked with public in that way and more with recruitment than with staffing. So quite the same, but still uh, differences too. Mm. So nice. um, yeah, but we can definitely help each other out. Mm. super mm. nice and yeah. i mean fabian in your background you kind of mm. gone from more straightforward talent acquisition recruitment into having the broader hr perspective how has that been for you how's that transition been for you a fun stories from when i was appointed uh, not to brag but when <laughs> when i was appointed <laughs> sweden's hr and play of the year uh, a couple it's of okay years. Brag. it's yeah. okay to brag it's okay to brag say it again yeah. say it yeah. again <laughs> Uh, Sweden's HR employee of the year uh, by Sweden's Association of HRM, I think it's called mm. in English, or Sveriges Hårförening in Swedish. Mm. And they asked me, you know, why didn't I have a membership with Sveriges Hårförening? Mm. And my spontaneous answer was, but I'm not an HR guy, and I was probably lucky to get this award. And if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, I would not have described myself as an HR person. Mm-hmm. Because my background is more, I have a master in science of science in business and economics, although with a focus on, on management and organization, but still quite far from HR in, in many ways. And then I managed to slip into recruitment during my studies. So mm. if anything, I would have described myself as a talent acquisition guy. Mm. And um, during my first 10 years-ish of my career, I've almost exclusively worked with the how to attract and recruit talent to different companies. Mm. High and low, wide and, and narrow with recruitment from executive search to uh, like staffing of juniors. But I worked 
for quite a few years as a consultant before I had the opportunity to, with my last employer, to build up the internal TA function, mm. a, a large Swedish company in the packaging industry, uh, Biller Korsner. And when you're working in-house, being part of the, you know, the global HR organization, you, you get to see and hear a lot of HR talk. So um, it was also actually there when I had, you know, got to try out working with some stuff that wasn't just recruitment or employee branding. But yeah, I was the person saying that I'm a specialist. I don't want to work in, in, in an HR generalist uh, role, but that is exactly what I'm doing today. So it seldom turns out exactly as you thought, but most of the times it actually becomes even better. And, and that is my feeling right now that it was the right thing to do. Mm. But what's, mm. I mean, you say that you're more of a talent acquisition guy than yeah. a HR guy. What's the difference yeah. between those two, those two personas? Those two personas, I think it's more having being the, the specialist, being the mm. expert, being the super user, being the mm. go-to person everyone goes to when they have questions about recruitment or employee branding. Mm. Now it's more, but it's also different because, you know, Billud had like 5,000 employees. Right. Vimos Sweden has 93. <laughs> so, mm. but still, it's, I think it's the feeling that you are actually the best at something. Mm. Uh, but switching to HR, at least in the beginning of my new career, it's more being not, <laughs> I don't feel the best at basically anything, maybe except recruitment. <laughs> mm. So that's, you know, being super, super confident and um, feeling like the expert uh, compared to feeling like a newbie. That's maybe the big change. Mm. What could you like take with you from talent acquisition that has helped you in the HR space? Yeah, I think that... TA is, um, I mean, TA is on everybody's lips, especially within HR. Mm. Uh, and if you have that kind of mindset that, um, I mean, being out there, being, you know, networking, connecting mm. with different people, both internally and externally, internally with managers and, and colleagues and so on, but also externally with, you know, networking with, um, I love to network. That's mm. basically why, why I'm here, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, I think that working with TA makes you not an extrovert, that's the wrong word, but makes you like you have that in your backbone that you right. yeah, you need to network to succeed with TA. Otherwise, yeah. it's hard to, <laughs> to recruit anyone. Mm. And now you can like yeah. use that internally to interact with manager employees to get your processes last message across. Yeah, I think that social competence is mm. getting more. I, I don't think I know that it's getting more and more important. Mm. And uh, I know that Simon Sinek has talked about, you know, hard skills and not soft mm. skills, but human skills. Mm -hmm. So uh, everyone, and he had some example from the Navy SEAL, they they rather take someone with lower performance, but higher trust than the opposite. Right. Because, you know, the social competence and the the trustworthiness uh, mm. is more important sometimes. And mm -hmm. we can see that for, within the tech sector, as you probably see as well, that the tech people that also have the social competence, they mm. can go wherever they want because mm. they can also run client meetings and that kind of, you know. Mm. So I think that's not just within TEA. Basically, I would say that human skills is, is growing in importance. Yeah. For every day, yeah. That's a very good point. And like, mm. what would you say... Like what challenges have you faced within now, like the broader HR space mm -hmm. that you weren't necessarily like prepared for coming from the specialist talent acquisition role? 
Yeah, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when Ulrika, our, our global head of HR here at Vimo, reached out to me asking if I would like to join as Vimo uh, as HR manager for Sweden, I asked her the question like, "Why are you asking me? There must be thousands of other persons with better CVs than I have for this job because I didn't have any like pure HR competence or experience from before." But I guess she saw some kind of potential in me and. She actually tried to recruit me several years ago, but I said no to her back then, and I felt I couldn't say no twice, so I had to. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but the industry that Vimo works in, e-commerce, and the journey that was described felt far too too interesting to say no mm. to. So she mm. sold it uh, very well. Mm. And I also had that bit of approach, you know, that I throw myself into under water sometimes. Mm. Uh, and there's a f- quote from Pippi Longstocking, Pippi Longstocking, yeah. that is like, I've never tried this before, so I can definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can recognize myself in that sometimes. But to be specific, some of the challenges I wasn't sure of were, for example, how to support managers in different conversations, mm-hmm. work environment, rehabilitation, mm-hmm. negotiations with unions, labor law issues, those kind. Basically mm-hmm. everything you don't come in contact with when working with the attraction part with talent right. acquisition. And absolutely, there have been such tasks that I've been involved in and uh, that I have zero experience from before. Mm. Vime already knew that, and I have therefore received good support along the way. Mm. Uh, And even though labor law issues may not be what I'm most passionate about, maybe. um, (laughs) Maybe it's for you, and uh, maybe it will be for me in the future, but still extremely interesting and edifying to learn new things. And I believe that what I learn now will benefit me no matter what I do later in my career. So, but almost starting a new career in a new industry during a pandemic was Mm. definitely a gamble in many ways and took a long time for me to decide to to join Vimo. Mm. And the fact that less than a year into my employment, a war would break out Mm. did not make the job easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Vimo and specifically for Vimo because we have 150 colleagues globally in Ukraine mm-hmm. specifically in uh, Kiev and in Kharkiv mm-hmm. the Kiev office is doing okay Kharkiv office is doesn't longer exist due to the the bombs mm-hmm. but we in, in Vimo Sweden we only have 14 employees in Ukraine and the rest is belonging to other country units in Vimo Mm. But of course, that was definitely nothing that I had prepared for, mm, uh, but which not. I became most involved in. Yeah, mm. and I mean that's obviously, as you said, nothing that you can ever prepare for. But how did HR in your organization handle such an such a like situation? We had a crisis plan in place quite mm. actually long before the actually invasion mm-hmm. specifically yeah. around yeah. this or in like just yeah. a bunch of crisis plans no, specifically for this scenario wow or we had like a five scale plan that where the full invasion was the highest on that scale mm-hmm. but Vimo has been in, in Ukraine since before the Krim uh, invasion as right. well so so they have some experience uh, mm. on this kind of stuff before mm. and the uh, a war situation is, of course, not something you wish for anyone, especially mm. not your colleagues and friends that you work mm. with on a daily basis. But there are things that you can't control. And it's, mm. it's, then it's very much about adapting to the situation. And that, I think, Baimo has done in an excellent way. Mm. 
So, and it's super interesting at the same time to see what happens in a crisis situation. Mm. And if you could just replace the crisis with something nicer, yeah, that mm. would have been better. But seeing seeing people work together, like solve different challenges, mm. stand up for each other, opening their homes for each other have been very inspiring. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when this unbelievable scenario occurred, we were quickly a large team of managers, HR, other employees who did everything we could to ensure the safety of our Ukrainian colleagues. Mm. Yeah, so hard to handle. We at HR, we could just, you know, be there. I talked to everyone in my country unit every day mm. uh, just to see, you know, the basic, are you, are you alive? Mm. Like, what's your location? Do you need mm. any support from us? Are you able to work? I mean, that was not the question we asked day one, but then we need just needed to know, can you work? They didn't have to, but if they could, it would, was good for us to know because we had to to prepare and to to find other solutions otherwise to our projects. Yeah. But for, for HR, it was more the, the soft, you know, I, I took on the, like, the, just the hat of being there, being supportive, mm-hmm. asking how they are, giving some, sometimes some encouraging words, sometimes some jokes, some funny memes mm-hmm. that I found just to try them, to try to get them the spirit up. Mm. But yeah, it was hard. I, I cried. I'm not sure if I should say that on a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> I, especially when you heard those like touching stories about, you know, mm. deaths and then bombs and, uh, you know, hiding. And that was tough at, at the start. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And I think like, how do mm. you like, A, I want like super mm. curious on like what you as an organization and specifically you as mm. an HR organization learn. Mm. But mm. also second follow-up question is how do you, as you said, like you needed to understand if they're working, how mm. do you like staff projects mm. on one hand, you know, business have to some extent continue, but then also having that crisis to handle. Um, yeah. How on earth? Yeah. How on earth? And it's, um, we learned a lot, of course. We learned super much. If you're looking at HR, we, of course, HR was one of the rep- representatives in from every country unit in this. We had like an extended management team or mm, what to okay. call it, where we, we met on a, not a daily, yeah, I think it was even a daily basis at first, mm. but then it got like a few times a week. Mm. So we were there. We all had different, you know, Google Sheets where we had all the employees, all the locations, all this open. But at the same time, not just HR, the entire organization within Vimo, we like how we did it day one was completely mm. different to day 14 yeah. or even day yeah. even day five, because we updated the process, we updated how to report, mm. how to inform, how to communicate. Mm. Like on a daily basis, changes happened. Mm. Like, no, we can't do it like this. So we need to have uh, make this easier. And we need to add this information. We need to know if they are on the move somewhere. We need to know where they are planning to go. We need to know, you know. Mm. So it was in that way until, you know, it didn't stabilize, but it still was not that when, when people tried to, we tried to get them out of Ukraine first. That was like the plan. And we had the crisis plan that I mentioned in the start was that we had a plan for people to get out of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And we had a few people actually leaving Ukraine before the invasion when mm-hmm. it was getting closer, but still right. there wasn't a full invasion. But that's just a few people out of the 150. Mm. Because you don't want to leave your your family, your friends, your country, your home, mm. if yes. you're not 150% sure that it will actually be a war. Mm. 
But then when it was time, the invasion had happened already. They closed the border. So yeah. it was hard to get anyone out. So we mm. tried to get people to um, the Western parts. Mm, mm. Uh, that was the goal. So we actually collaborated with a or a couple of other competitors mm. that wow. we usually don't collaborate with, but we did. So they had offices in Western Ukraine so that we, our employees could use and even like sleep in if they needed. And they could use our office in, in Poland, in Wroclaw, we have an office. Mm. So they didn't have an office in Poland. So we like opened up our offices for our competitors. So that was really, very touching to see that, you know, in these kind of situations, it doesn't matter if you try to get the same projects or uh, mm. pitch on the same clients, you just, mm. you were just uh, people, you were just humans helping each other out. Mm. Mm. A really nice yeah. comment on like the human part of human resources too. Yeah, mm. so true. Together. Very, very much. And we had also you would increase the number of HR meetings. So instead mm. of weekly meetings, we had basically daily meetings just to mm. to catch up. What have you learned so far? How are you feeling? Do you need any support? Because we also have a few HR employees that don't have a country unit their own. So we like they could support us in, in different questions. Mm. Um but yeah, that was uh, we took it like day by day basically to see mm. sometimes I needed some support, sometimes I could support others. But for me, if I can just have one uh, one thing that was always on my agenda every day from the invasion was to get in contact with all my 14 <laughs> colleagues mm. in Ukraine. And I did so. And then, you know, when I didn't uh, <laughs> hear or didn't contact them every day, because, yeah, it was getting more stable. They were like, hi, I miss you. Why, <laughs> no. why don't you do your check-in? Oh, sorry, I will be better at doing my check-in. <laughs> but now it's all on a weekly basis because you are working, you are like, you have left mm. Ukraine. It's not that... Uh, but they then started to miss my daily checking. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to recruitment in Ukraine, it's run by our center of excellence in Ukraine and Poland. They had different you know, plans. They started to discuss with more subcontractors. Right. Uh, they even, I think we even took in some uh, consultants from India. But then when we realized that our people, they actually, they had, we said that you shouldn't worry about, you know, salary you shouldn't mm. worry about the vacation days you will get full salary you will get paid mm. no matter if you can work or not mm. um, but then with, when we realized that they were actually getting back to work more and more and i think mm. just a few weeks after we had a you know 80 90 percent of the client hours were back mm. so we realized that our employees in ukraine they are in in the middle of an invasion of a war but they want to work mm. And when we asked why, it was because they wanted to do something else than just yeah. you know think about the war, yeah. but also that they wanted to contribute back to Weimar because they felt that Weimar had given so much to them. Mm. Um, mm. So they had that loyalty also, like, I want to give back because, yeah, I know that if I can work and contribute, that will help Weimar, which in turn will also help me and my colleagues in, in Ukraine. And we also actually seized the opportunity that a lot of Ukrainians were employed by companies owned by Russians or mm. Belarus companies. Mm. And they basically denied that there was even a war going on. So we had also Ukrainian developers, skilled developers, you know, super attractive competencies leaving companies because they weren't even like <laughs> recognizing that there were were going on. So mm-hmm. we actually hired hired new people as well. Mm. Uh, because mm. we our Ukrainians like felt opposite that Vimo is helping out, Vimo is supporting us, Vimo is trying to you know, find accommodation, uh, helping right. us by, by the border to get our families out. 
So mm. they recommended us to other Ukrainians that maybe didn't feel that way from their company. So, mm. so we actually could get some people in as well. Mm. So employer branding on steroids and yeah. in a big <laughs> yeah. crisis. Yeah. So uh, as I said, if you could take take away the crisis, uh, yeah, that would be better. But that actually has increased our EMPS quite much, or you know, internal culture or internal like values being open and so on. That's um, so basically, we didn't have that crisis situation for that long, looking at like staffing of projects and so on. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, this is obviously like the immediate crisis might be not as extreme, but it's, I mean, still mm. ongoing. But if we still like look a little bit like further ahead, what's uh, mm. the biggest, I don't know, projects, areas that you're working on right now? What's your main focus? When you work as I do, and probably as you do, Linnea, like being responsible for HR, but for a fairly small company, mm. you usually have to do everything possible. Uh, like yep. you, you work high and low and narrow <laughs> and, and wide. And, and that's both fun and developing, yeah. but also sometimes a little frustrating, difficult to stay focused when mm. you work with like 12 different areas. Some things that I'm a little extra excited about right mm. now is that we during fall we make a big retake around our onboarding process nice so that is something that i did at billeru so mm. uh, it was uh, it was a great uh, learning from there mm. and we of course we have an onboarding process today mm-hmm. but there is great, great potential for improvement what's your three biggest like this will be part of the onboarding process i will die on this hill if there's <laughs> Yeah, good question. First, I think I need to just describe where we are to get the setting right. Mm-hmm. Because we are we work in a super matrix organization, right? With employees in different countries, mm-hmm. which makes the whole thing very complex. With Billard, it was much easier because it was, we had the factories, and you know, it was right. uh, you could streamline it in in a quite a uh, similar way for for basically everyone. Yeah, but today. At Vimo, the problem is that onboarding is all too dependent on the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that some do it fantastically well yeah. and some less well. Mm. Let me take an example. We have a Polish developer that will mm. work for country unit Sweden. Mm. So my goal is that we then have a module that is for country unit Sweden. Mm. Uh, here you get to take part in our history as a country unit, get to know mm. our clients, organization, goals, plans going forward. But we also need a module for the country and the office he or she will be working. Uh, ah, gotcha. So like in this case, perhaps Roslav in Poland, where we have an mm. office. And they will go through, that module will go through like the salary, benefits, vacation, mm. access to the office and so on. Mm-hmm. Very, very country specific stuff. Mm. And finally, you must also have a module for like the Vimo group. So a lot of our processes are the same for everyone in Vimo globally. Values, overall right. strategy goals, mm. that kind of major topics. Mm. In addition to this, the person should also be introduced to a manager and to yeah. a team yeah. uh, who rarely sit in the same place or might not even work in the same project. Right. And sometimes when we try to find talent elsewhere, they also need to have some kind of, you know, refresh their skills or some kind of training into their profession as well, like a new programming language or something. Mm. But I think that the three major, I think we need to have as much as possible in our system, in our HR system. Mm. 
that we use because now we have some in the HR system, some in some LMS, some mm, in gotcha. our, uh, on our intranet, uh, some in the heads of the managers. <laughs> So we need to have the process in place in uh, with system support. I think mm. that's the major part. Mm. I think we also need to find like alignment with all the countries, so we don't have too many exceptions. Because that's also like previously a bit the vibe away that, uh, but South Africa, they, we don't work that in, in South Africa. We need to do something else. Gotcha. We need to align that this is a process we will actually have as a base for every country unit. Mm. And then I think we need to have managers in place, uh, manager trainings. Uh, mm. So not just uh, read this onboarding uh, tutorial on, mm. <laughs> on the internet. Mm. We need to have trainings for managers to, to really explain the pros and the cons with having a, a good or a bad onboarding. Mm. Mm. What I would also like is a pre-boarding. I created a pre-boarding portal uh, mm. with Bilirud and that was very appreciated by the employees. So when someone is hired, you send them a welcome email with access to the pre-boarding portal. And uh, not just that they need to fill in all their like bank accounts and emergency contacts, that kind of pre-boarding, that's not pre-boarding. Uh, but that's a bit how the pre-boarding works today. Uh, oh, got you. So when I filled in my pre-boarding, it's like, yeah, pre-boarding, nice. And then I filled in, filled in, filled in, and then thank you, see you in three months. <laughs> so mm. I didn't get anything back. So uh, mm. I think that's important to give back, to give back content, to give back nice stories, uh, mm. maybe some interviews, some greetings, some information. Stuff that builds culture and feels that yeah, I took the right decision to actually yeah. join join my mom. I mean that's so important. Yeah, so maybe a bit fluffy, but those things I uh, I would yeah. really have need yeah. to to have in our onboarding before being super satisfied. Mm. Mm. And I mean, if we back up the process a little bit, I mean, mm. you are still at heart talent acquisition specialist, yeah. uh, even though now you have a broader role. But yeah. like, how does like the recruitment process look like at Vimo. What are you most proud of? When you work with recruitment for 10 years and not least when you you in your latest role was, uh, was to to build up the recruitment process for a big mm-hmm. global company. It was in a way challenging to start a job where I no longer decided on the recruitment process. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I still work a lot with recruitment, but my the, the, like the main responsibility is not mine. It's more to to ensure that recruitments to Sweden are as good as possible. Right. But if you look at how we work at recruitment or with recruitment at Vimo, um, I think we work quite like other tech companies, to be honest. There is a big competition for talent, skill mm. developers, they can pick and choose. So you need to find and you need to find your own recipe. Mm. I think these are questions every company to ask themselves. Like, do we want to be a company where you can make a lot of money, you can uh, make a career, uh, uh, that kind of focus, but you also need to work much, can be hard with the work-life balance part. Mm. Or do we want to be a company where we may not have the highest salaries, but we invest a lot in work-life balance, in you know, in, in health and well-being in general. Mm. Mm. It's difficult to be both. Yeah, um, and which, which, uh, one is, which one is you? The second one. The second one. Uh, so mm. yeah, so we try to work a lot on our culture. Mm our values and i think that that was shown during the the war that they yeah. they are actually solid uh, so yeah. that was uh, definitely a, a test to mm. test our values so we want to be an open open is one of our values uh, mm. we want to be an open and kind company that cares about our employees mm. yeah. we don't have the highest salaries uh, mm. we because it's hard to compete just with salaries especially if you're 
as we are like a consultancy where we charge by hour. We're not yeah. like a software, you know, that where you have a SaaS product or whatever. We yeah. we we are a bit limited compared to some of our competitors. And we're not the best at telling like everyone or everything we do in social media. We focus more maybe on internal and poor branding. Mm-hmm. Because we believe that if we are a company with healthy values, mm-hmm. a good good culture, good people, the word of mouth will help us, which also yeah. was shown during the crisis in Ukraine. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But it also means that we work a lot with actually with referrals. As ah, we, nice. We know that tips from current employees are usually quite good, at least when we analyze our recruitment sources. Mm-hmm. We can see that referrals are usually definitely the best source that we have. Mm. And like, if yeah. someone is not working with referrals and want to get started, what would be yeah. your suggestion? How can people have a referral program from yeah. set up tomorrow? Uh, you mean other companies? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh, I think I actually discussed this with quite a few companies. Some use, as we do, some kind of referral bonus. Right. Because I think sometimes the extra money can help people to actually take to actually think outside the box or to yeah. take that extra time to ask a friend or a previous mm. colleague or whatever. Mm. So you need to find if you want to pay money for it, we pay, I think we have, it's a bit different, but around 1500 euros mm. um, for a, a hire that mm. no one re- refers. And then we have some people, <laughs> not in Sweden, but in, in other countries that made like a business out of this. So they <laughs> refer like <laughs> everyone from their previous uh, companies. And then we like, we can just grab skilled developers and project <laughs> managers and so on. That's fantastic. <laughs> then that's quite cheap uh, recruitment. Uh, For sure. Yeah, definitely. But I would say that you need to find you know your way. Do you want to pay money <laughs> or mm. do you want to make like a culture or like a word thing during a yearly like you have your maybe your yearly kickoffs where you highlight or you want some competitions where you can see like the high scores like who has referred the most people or i think you can do it in different ways so you need to just decide on what kind of way you want and mm. then communicate and remind people that don't forget about it mm. during the onboarding especially during the onboarding when people are too extra excited about joining and hopefully have a good impression of the company yeah they are extra eager to actually recommend other people so that's a great tip so start early uh, mm. and remind people because sometimes we're just lazy but we mm. definitely definitely have uh, people that we can refer mm. so mm. the recruitment process what we've talked mm. about so far is like yeah. making sure that you have like a good referral program solid yeah. onboarding and pre-boarding but also yeah. now i lost the yeah uh, making sure that you are like clear with your comp and ben package so that yeah. you can attract the right candidates so what yes. happens, like you have mm. converted a candidate mm. or a referral mm. into the mm. process, what happens? We have, of course, different system support. We worked with a a good uh, recruitment tool. I'm not sure if I should mention them, but we uh, they are a few in the, uh, we currently have Jobbelon. Mm. Uh, so it's a good tool. We have uh, Alva <laughs> as <laughs> assessment partner. And I was part of uh, implementing Alva as well here at, uh, at Vimo. So we have, I would say we have quite a standardized, we have the screening, which I as HR do the first screening. And then I have mm. some tech expert usually joining in if it's a techie role that mm-hmm. I need some input on. They do like the second screening. After Ooh, the second sorry, screening. Sorry, have to, I have to dive into what do they look for yeah. in the second screening? Then they look more into if they have the right tech skills okay. on paper. Yeah, okay. so um, mm-hmm. that's basically what they do. So we have like a back-end expert and a front-end expert. So they look at, because mm. sometimes the buzzwords or the, they have maybe some other tech stack that I'm not that familiar with. Right. 
that they uh, think that, but that's quite similar to what we do. Mm, or that's nice. aligned with our new multi-platform strategy. So let's try this out. This first mm, time. Mm, nice. Uh, so after the like the screening part, we do uh, we send the tests and use the test as a that's a mandatory part of our recruitment process. Mm. And then they come to a first interview, usually with me and the hiring manager. Mm. Sometimes we don't know who the hiring manager is. Mm. <laughs> then it's yeah, someone. We've... Yeah. <laughs> Been <laughs> there, done that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then we, yeah, someone with more tech knowledge than me usually joins in. So we mm. usually are two people. And um, how come you reach that decision that you want to be two people in the first interview? Because we, it's more from the candidate perspective, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, my job is there to more to, to like paint a big picture about why, but to have the, the, the corporate presentation to tell about our values or, you know, our organization or a bit of our clients and so on. And to ask the, uh, maybe we shouldn't call it HR questions, but you know, the, the softer questions about, mm. you know, motivation or potential or, you know, those kind of fun questions to ask. Mm. Mm. And then the tech person is more to, or the, usually usually the hiring manager, uh, usually to describe the role more of a, from a tech point of view. Mm. This is how your job would look like uh, on a normal, like on a daily basis. Uh, right. This is how the team look like. This is how... You know, you could be uh, moving towards uh, or like career development and so on. So a bit, we have like a, a split responsibility. So mm. so uh, the intent is rather to, again, like convert candidates further into yeah. the funnel, great, yeah. give a great candidate experience rather than yes. like we're going to assess together yeah. because yeah. we believe that will be better. So it's more candidate perspective. Yeah. I love that. Mm. More candidate perspective, a bit assessment as well, but that's not the focus during the first right. interview. Mm-hmm. That's actually during the second interview, which is uh, after the first interview, we have a tech test mm-hmm. because that is so, uh, or a business case for other, like for HR, it's like, like an HR case for sales mm-hmm. or strategy. It's more the business cases where they, mm-hmm. yeah, they are um, doing like a work sample, basically a work test. Have you created those mm-hmm. yourselves or have you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have, yeah, we mm-hmm. have, um, and we have made some uh, like trial and error stuff mm. uh, trying to find a way to find a a logom level of uh, <laughs> testing so it's not too hard but not too easy either mm. but we have the tech test for front and the back end and then we have the second interview with a tech expert so if sometimes it's the same as from the first interview but otherwise it's someone else so we have that and then we have reference checks and then we have a which i actually sometimes are a bit concerned about Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes uh, also I think it's quite good is that we have an executive interview ah. so uh, uh, someone from the executive leadership team so mm-hmm. no one from Weimar Sweden but someone else uh, okay. wants to meet the candidate as a last step in the process mm. and what would you say so, biggest pros and cons with that step the biggest con is definitely to find the time yeah <laughs> Especially when we have that kind of, you know, looking to recruit tech people with uh, usually in different processes, and it's like we just want to mm-hmm. close this uh, recruitment now. Yeah. No, we need to. They need to some, meet someone from the executive team. It's like, yeah. okay, who can do it? No, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Like, uh. <laughs> but then usually we we find a slot. Uh, yeah. But that's the the big question. The big pro. The big um, pro instead is that it's. And the main purpose with why we even have this is from a employee branding perspective mm-hmm. that they that we show that you are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are in that, you know, I mean, 
even the executive team, even though we are 600 employees, they want to meet every new employee to see more to like tell us, tell the person about the culture, values, that kind of more softer values. Mm. I think that's Uh, fantastic. To have yeah. that like mm. commitment, I, I see how yeah. mm. this, the the stress from the TA person, uh, I can yeah. see it in front of me. But I still think it's like fantastic mm. to have that dedication from the yeah. organization, where like this is so important that we will spend like yeah. I guess a lot of time yeah. doing this. Since we do uh, hundreds of uh, recruitments every year, so yeah, exactly. Has it ever mm. been a showstopper? Where like yeah. Yeah, okay. It has, it has, but not that often. I would say it's maybe 5% of the time or something. Okay. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's more uh, a hygiene factor that we we have that as a part of the process. And the, the executive leadership team still wants to have that part as part of the process. We have discussed mm-hmm. it several times. Since we are growing, is, there really, yeah. is, it is this uh, healthy? Uh, is this mm-hmm. sustainable to have it when we are 600, when we are 1,000, when we are 2,000? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard for you guys to... <laughs> to find the time yeah because usually the elt members are not the the ones with them with most room in their calendars so <laughs> no of course but yeah I, I agree that it's a nice sign of uh not appreciation but you know what i mean um, that, that we have someone yeah. from and usually i mean it's usually maybe it's even david who is our ceo and, and co-founder mm. so i mean for a junior developer to actually get to meet the founder yeah. of quite big companies mm. is quite nice yeah mm. We had a situation like that when we had a candidate come to the office and he didn't realize that the, the founder was in the room. So <laughs> midway into the conversation, he asked, like, who, yeah. who are you? Who are you? Like, oh, I'm a CEO and founder. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I guess we should have prepared the candidate for that because he was yeah. a bit surprised and uh, yeah. felt a bit bad afterwards. But it was, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. It was a fun surprise, I guess. <laughs> but I think it's just uh, really interesting to hear how much you focus on employer branding within the process mm. i think that's uh, yeah. great stuff to steal uh, from that and that's great for me to hear that you <laughs> that you feel so because i sometimes feel like we are useless at employer branding um, uh, but i think that we are we actually just had a social media ambassador challenge where we try to boost our employees to share you know share yeah. stories to because we know that employee advocacy is the best way to spread of the word course. So that part, I think we need to work a bit with, but I'm, I'm glad that you feel that our like internal focus is working well. So we just need to communicate that externally. Yeah, exactly. Get that message out there. All right. But thank you so much, Fabian, for joining. Thank you for sharing uh, your insights and your journey so far. And uh, yeah, I hope all of you listening will join us again next time for another episode of How We Hire.